uh, we're laying down some foundations that we believe that our society has, for the most part, corroded. We started this series of law about uh, four weeks ago and we talked about the law of judgment or the law and judgment. We talked about the fact that the scripture tells us that we are not to be judgmental. Uh, Clearly the Bible tells us not to judge lest we be judged. So we're not to be judgmental of other people. Um, But we are to be discerning and the Bible tells us we are to discern and to judge between right and wrong and not to be judgmental in the process. It, uh, Christians are to have a, a clear, precise understanding of what right and wrong is and they are to turn from the wrong and turn to the right and to follow Jesus. Uh, in that process, you have to exercise a decision between what is right and what is wrong and you have to exercise judgment, but you are not to be judgmental. Judgmentalism is looking at somebody else and, 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 and blaming and accusing and, and uh, putting them down and that attitude is not of Jesus. So we looked at law and we looked at judgment. We looked at the law of love and we looked at the fact that when we choose to do the right thing, we don't choose to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. We choose to do the right thing because we love Jesus and we want to walk in love. And the law of love is the thing that defines for us the behavior that we have. We do things because we love to do them. We love to do them because we love the person who wants us to do those things. So we love God, so we do the things that please him. We don't love the world and we don't love the devil, so we don't do the things that pleases the world and the devil and the flesh. We turn from those things and we turn to love God. That law of love is is the law that guides us and protects us and keeps us from evil. We also studied the law of freedom and we, we outlined the fact that when God places a boundary down, the boundaries that he places there define for us the freedoms that we have. They don't define for us what we can't do. Our world says if you break the rules then you are really free. To really be free, you have to break all the rules. And to experience real freedom, you've got to break all the rules. But our society is not built upon that idea. I was just talking to um, Ray this morning, and he was saying that like, the rules of the road are there for us to have freedom and access. We drive on the left-hand side in Australia, and, uh, and we don't have any accidents. Because of that rule, we have freedom of uh, travel. We, have, we can go to work in the morning without fear of colliding with somebody because there's no freedom to drive on the wrong side of the road. So those boundaries that are placed down in society are there to actually define for us the levels of our freedom. And we work well within those levels of freedom. So when God places boundaries down in our lives, those boundaries are placed down to define for us freedom. And so when we look at the law of freedom... It's also the law of being able to live within the boundaries of God and and do the things that God is pleased with. And of course, all of those laws are governed to us by our relationship with God. It's this walking with Jesus, loving him and walking in the freedom that we have with him and enjoying that and not breaking the rules. This week, we want to look at righteousness apart from the law. This is... The law as in defined in the scripture as in the commandments of God or the law that God gives. The Ten Commandments are clearly stated down there and it would seem that people think that righteousness from the old um, view was attained through the obedience to the law. So if you did the right thing, you were then righteous. If you did the wrong thing, you were then not righteous, you were unrighteous. So righteousness was attained to by keeping the law in the Old Testament. 
However, the New Testament brings a new idea. It says that your righteousness is not premised upon uh, uh, keeping the law. How do you get right with God could be the question. Well, what is righteousness with God? Righteousness is being in the right place with God. So that you are in the right place. You are where God wants you to be and God is happy with you and you are happy with God. That's righteousness. Salvation, being in the right place with God, that's how you get to the right place with God, is born in the New Testament by grace through faith. It does not come from the keeping of the law. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So he's telling us quite clearly then that grace, God's unmerited favor, God's desire for you, his favor toward you, has brought you the ability to have faith in him and then by that be saved. You can't be saved without his grace being upon you. So if we to explain that to you, we're going to say to you, God has an attitude towards you which is favourable. And because he has an attitude towards you which is favourable, he will then give you the ability to trust him. He will give you the ability to turn away from your sin. He will give you the ability to walk with him. Because he has an attitude that is favorable to you. He doesn't sit there like a stern God saying, you will obey me and if you don't obey me, I'm going to crush you. He says, you know what? He says, I know you can't obey me unless I help you. So what I'm going to do is, I have such a love for you, I'm going to put the ability for you to trust me in you and the ability for you to turn away, turn away from you. sin. I'm going to put that in you as well and you can then love me and you can then have salvation because I have grace toward you. So God is really helping us in this whole exercise. In the church of Galatia, now the book of Galatia, Galatia is, um, is a book, it's a very small book, it's the letter that Paul wrote when he was in prison to the, to the Christians in, the, in a town called Galatia. And the Christians in, in the church in Galatia were of two sorts. They were, were Gentile people who were not Jewish people and there was also Jewish people who were living in that church. Now the church was started and it was st- started by Paul and, and it started off with the Spirit of God doing a, a, a wonderful work in that place and they believed. However, after a little bit of period of time, the Jewish people in that church started to turn around from their faith in Jesus, their trust in Jesus and started to turn back to the security of keeping the law doing the law, you know, keeping the reg, uh, regulations of the law and doing the regulations of the law. So Paul writes to them and he starts off in Galatians chapter 3 to actually address the situation about are you justified or are you made righteous by keeping the law? Are you in the right place before God because you keep all the rules uh, or are you in the right place because God causes you to be in the right places and therefore you can, uh, you can please God? He, he, he actually discusses this with us. So I want to actually walk through Galatians chapter 3 with you and talk about this so that you can understand what he's saying. He says, you foolish Galatians. So he's really having a guide them. Who has bewitched you before, the, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was 
clearly portrayed as crucified. Now, there may have been people from Galatia that were even there at, when Jesus was crucified, may have been there when, when the, uh, the Holy Spirit fell upon the, the people in Acts chapter, chapter 2. And so he's able, referring them back to, he says, you know, you know that Jesus was crucified. You know that. He says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Now, that's a rhetorical question. And a rhetorical question is a question that really needs no answer because the answer is obvious. He's saying, you did not receive the Spirit because you were keeping the rules of the law. He says, you received the Spirit because you had faith. So receiving the Holy Spirit is by faith. And then he goes on and says, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain the goal by human effort? Are you trying to be acceptable before God because of your human effort? He says, you know, it's not by works. It's not your works or your attempting to keep the law that's going to keep you right with God. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing, God does God give you the spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what was heard? And we know that God worked the miracles among them, not because they kept the law, but because it was his grace and his favor that produced the miracle. You remember in the book of Acts, when Peter saw and John saw the man standing, uh, sitting at the um, at the gate beautiful and he was uh, poor and uh, he couldn't walk and they said silver and gold have our number what we have we give unto you in the name of Jesus Christ rise up and walk and he uh, was healed immediately he he walked into the temple praising God and they the crowds came around and they gathered around him and they 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 were just sort of looking at Peter and John and thinking he was he was they were great men and great powerful men and he he said these words Peter said he said to the man of Israel why does this surprise you why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we, we made this man walk? He says, why do you think that it's our power or our godliness that makes this man walk? As though that it's our own righteousness that produces the, the, the miracle. The, the thing is, it's not it, your righteousness that produces the miracle. God's grace is the thing that produces the miracle. He says, and by the faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you now know was made strong. Uh, it is in Jesus' name that, and the faith that comes from him that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. So he's trying to talk to the Galatians and trying to let them and remind them that God's grace is the place where we get our righteousness from. It's not through keeping the rules. You are not right because you keep the rules. You are right because you walk in a relationship with the one who makes you right. Do you understand that? Galatians chapter 3 verses 6 to 10 says, Consider Abraham, and he goes back to Abraham because the Jews in this church kept on thinking, well, no, we've got to go back and keep on doing the law. And he says, you don't need to. The father of faith, which is Abraham, the father of the Jewish people, he, he reminds them he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, Abraham came well before the law because Moses brought the law and Moses was a child of Abraham, so to speak, down through the age. He was a Jew. So, Abraham, before the law was given, was righteous before God, not because he kept the law, but because he walked with God and God made him righteous. 
He believed in God and trusted in God. And because he believed and trusted in God, God made him righteous. So he says, remember Abraham, Abraham, your forefather, the one from which you came, had righteousness before God, not because he kept the law because the law wasn't there. He had righteousness because he had faith in Jesus, faith in God. Understanding that those who believe are children of Abraham. And the scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. And so what he's saying to them, he says, and you Jews who are in this Galatian church, there are Gentiles around you who now have faith in God because the scripture foretold that Abraham, because of his faith in God, not because he kept the law, because of his faith in God, God was going to bless all the nations, not just the Jews who kept the law, but all nations were going to be blessed because righteousness is in a relationship with Jesus. It's not in a relationship with the law, which was Jewish. And so those that have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. All who rely on observing the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. And what he's saying that if you start to keep the law, it's impossible to keep it all. And because it's impossible to keep it all, you will fail and you'll be cursed. So if you start saying, okay, now I'm going to keep the rules, keep all the rules. Which rule do I drop? You can't drop any. You know the one that says you, shan't, you shouldn't get tattooed? That rule, you know, that's one of the rules that's in the book. You know, you shouldn't have a marking on your body. Yeah, so yeah. The other one says you shouldn't shave your sideburns. So, you know, wait a minute, I shave my sideburns. That means I can't get tattoos. We can look at people who get a tattoo and say, oh, you shouldn't get a tattoo because the Old Testament says you shouldn't mark your body. Or you, uh, well, you shouldn't shave your sideburns either. Well, what about the, raw, the laws and the rules that have to do with washing and the laws and the rules that have to do with mildew and the laws and the rules that have to do with everything that you read in the book of Leviticus? If you are, you know, a certain time, you have to go outside the camp. Well, what does that mean? Where's my camp? I can't go outside the camp because I'm not in a camp. So you can't keep the laws and keep the rules to be right. It depends on your relationship with God. He says, the scripture says, if you start to try and keep the rules, you're going to be cursed because it's impossible. Because that's not the purpose of the rules. The rules are not there to make you righteous. He says in Galatians, clearly no one is justified before God by the law because the righteous will live by faith, it says. It's trusting in God, not man. The righteous shall live by faith is trusting in God, not man. Then the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things, the law is not based on faith. On the contrary, the man who does these things will live by them. That's what the law says. The man who does these things will live by them. That is, trust in man's ability, not God's ability. So you have those two ideas. You either trust God's ability to make you righteous or you trust your own ability to do the right thing. So if you take God out of the picture, you say, well, I have to keep all the rules. You're going to fail. You're not going to be righteous because you can keep the rules. You're going to be righteous if you live in a right relationship and trust Jesus. Trust God. The Bible tells us, and it says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law that becoming, by becoming a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hung on the tree. So when Jesus died on the tree, he became a curse for us and he died on the tree. He took the punishment of us not keeping the law. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through faith, through Christ Jesus. 
so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. He tells us that the purpose of the law in verse 19, what was the purpose of the law? What was the purpose of the law then? It was added that transgression, because of transgression, until the seed that was Jesus to whom it was promised was preferred to come. So the law was given so that we could define what was right and wrong. So you got the law and the law said, okay, this is right and this is wrong. That's all it did. It was there to tell you what was right and what was wrong. So the law written down there was to say, there's a certain thing that is right, there's a certain thing that was wrong. That's all it was told to do. And when you learn what was right and what was wrong, you learn something about yourself. And what you learned about yourself is that you were wrong. And that you needed someone to save you. And so it helped you and held you in place until Jesus came along. You had a a knowledge of right and a knowledge of wrong and you knew you were wrong because you had broken the law. That's all the law was meant to do. To let you know that you needed someone to help you. It was to set you up for a relationship that would bring you into righteousness. The law was there not to be kept to make you right. The law was there to define for you that you had broken the law, that you were a lawbreaker. That's what the law does. Good people don't need the law because they don't incline to break the law. Law is for the law breakers to define that they are breaking the law. And we all broke the law of God. We all told a lie. We all did something wrong in our minds and in our hearts. And when we did that, we were by nature law breakers. So the law was just to define for us that we needed a saviour. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if the law had for if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly come by the law. So he's saying there, if there was a rule that I could keep, and if I kept the rule, then I would have life. He says there would be that rule given, and you would just have to keep that rule, and that would be it. But there is no rule that's given that can do that. Knowing the rules and keeping the rules does not make you right and connected with Jesus. You can know the rules and keep the rules and still be absent from God. Connecting into a relationship with Jesus has nothing to do with keeping the rules and standing there and saying, I've kept all the rules. The rich young ruler came and said, I've kept all the rules. What what more must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor and come and follow me. He said, I can't do that. He says, you know, I love all my stuff. He says, you know, that's the problem. You keep all the rules, but you still don't want connection with me. Righteousness is not about keeping the rules. It's about connecting with Jesus. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, it says, but the scripture declares that the whole world is, is a prisoner of sin. So that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. See, We are all slaves to sin. Galatians 3.23 to 28 says, Before the faith came, we were held prisoners by the law, locked up until faith should be revealed, so that the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ, that we might be justified by by faith. So what he's saying is that we were under the control of the law so that we were held by that, conscious that we were sinners, until Jesus came And then we could turn to him and he could forgive us of our sins and we could have righteousness through our relationship with him. He says, you are all sons of God through faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. 
For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And then he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. You're all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus breaks down all the, all the strata in society and says, you know, you are all one in me. So righteousness is all about walking in relationship of trust with God the Father, God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. If you don't look to the righteousness of God, you have to go to an alternative. And the alternative is something like this. In, jo- in Romans chapter 10, verses 3 to 11, it says, Since they did not know, or they were ignorant of, the righteousness that comes from God, they sought to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. So what it's basically saying there, the Jews that thought that they could be right before God by keeping the rules did not acknowledge and did not submit to the righteousness that came from Christ. And so what they did is they sought to establish their own. So when you're trying to establish your own righteousness, you do what everybody else in the world is doing. It's like, you know what, I'm a pretty good person. I go to church on Sunday. I read my Bible. I don't break any of the rules of the land. I pay my taxes. But do you live in a relationship with Jesus? I don't know, I don't, I don't go over the top like that, so there's five minutes to go. Boy, this is going to be hard, isn't it? You can put your hands down, I got the message. <laughs> it's amazing how many people are, and I'm wasting time even talking about it. So he's saying, if you, if you don't accept that Jesus is the one, you're going, to, you're going to build up your routine for yourself. You're going to say, well, I have to keep all these rules for me to be righteous. And the trouble is that that's not how you get righteousness. So you will, if you don't go and ask Jesus to be your righteousness, you will try and be your own righteousness, and that's not going to work with God. He tells us in Romans chapter 10, he says that the righteousness that is of faith, it doesn't say, it doesn't say you know, what, how, what do I have to do to get up there to bring Christ down? You know? Or what do I have to do there to bring Christ up? It's like you have to do something almighty to get up there so you can be holy enough, or something so debased that you can get down there and be you know, so humble that God can touch you. He says, no, no, it says, it's near you and it's in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach. He says in verse 10, what does it say? It says, the word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith, trusting that we proclaim. You trust God. It's not that you have to do something to get God's favor. God has favor on you before you do something. You don't have to climb up a mountain to get his favor. You don't have to go down to the depths of the sea to get his favor. You don't have to crawl around the building on your knees and, and, ha- and have blood coming out again. You don't have to beat yourself up to get his favor. He gives you his favor because he loves you. And as he gives you his favor, you have to respond to his favor now. And the response is trusting him. And trusting is not just saying, I believe in God. Trusting him is Putting your whole life in his hand and doing what he wants you to do. It's being what he wants you to be. It's turning away from sin because he gives you the power to do that. It's living your life the way he wants you to live it because he wants you to do that. It's trusting he knows best and you're putting your hand in his and trusting to do what he wants you to do. That's it. And that's on the inside he speaks to you. Not far away. If you go... To the new covenant in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 7 to 13, we read these. He says, This is the new covenant. And covenant is another word for relationship, a covenant relationship. So God brings us into a new covenant relationship. 
He says, if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, that's the Old Testament, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people, saying, the time is coming, declares the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be the, like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Now, the covenant he made with them when he took them out of the, by the hand and led them out of Egypt was on the Mount Sinai. So here's the mountain. Moses goes up to the top of the mountain and there at the top of the mountain, God gives Moses the law. He writes the Ten Commandments on stone to Moses. He says, here's the commandment. Here's the covenant I have with him. Now keep the rules. We know that that was just so that he could show them that they couldn't keep the rules. By the time he had come down from the mountain, they'd broken them all anyway. They were worshipping a golden calf and Moses broke the the, Ten Commandments and he had to go back up the mountain again to get another, another set. He said he found fault with the people. Why? Because they couldn't keep the rules. One of the things you've got to remember is you can't keep the rules. There's a thing inside you that will stop you from keeping the rules. So unless you give it over to God and trust God, you're doomed to fail. Because you cannot keep on keeping the rules. You might think you keep the rules. I haven't done anything wrong. But you thought then. You thought you broke the rules in your mind. You thought it. That was enough to break the rule. The only way that you can really live right is to live in trust with God. And this is what he says. I'm going to make a new rule. It's not going to be like the one that's external and written on stone. I'm going to write the rules in their heart. And this is what the covenant says. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. He said, I will come and I will live within them. The lawgiver now comes and lives within us. It's not rules now. It's him, his person living within us. The law of God, Jesus, the law of God comes and lives within us. And he writes his rules in our hearts, in our minds. He is there. So when we disobey the rules, it's not disobeying a rule on a piece of stone. It's it's disobeying a person who lives within us. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or his a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will know me from the least to the greatest. From the smallest child to the oldest person, from the tallest person to the smallest person, they will know me. You won't have to say, I don't have to say, you know, this is how you know the Lord, Ray. Ray will know the Lord because the Lord will be in Ray and Ray will just turn to God and God will come and live within Ray and then Ray will know God. I won't have to say, you know, this is how you know, Ray will know God. He will know when he's disobeying God and he will know when he's obeying God. His conscience will bear witness with it. It will say, this is when you're doing the right thing and this is when you're doing the... And no one will have to teach him that. That will be in him. Your little child will know that. They may not know all the theology of the scripture, but they'll know when they're pleasing God and they'll know when they're being naughty. Children will know that. The Holy Spirit will rest within them and he says, they'll not know me from the least to the greatest. They'll have a relationship, a righteous relationship with God. And for I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Isn't that wonderful? He will forgive our wickedness 
And remember, our sin's no more. So he's going to come inside and live, us, live within, within us, and he's going to say to us, you know what, just follow me, just trust me, just walk with me, just trust me, do what I want you to do, trust me, trust me. If you trust me, you'll be fine. Just walk this life with me, trust me, trust me. You know, the biggest problem we have in life is that we don't trust him. We say we believe him, but we don't trust him. He says, trust me, you can walk away from this, you don't have to do this, trust me. Oh no, but I want to do this. No, 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 just trust me not to do this. We don't trust him. Righteousness is all about walking in a relationship of trust with God. You know, I want to just lay this with you this week. You can try and do all the right things. You can read your Bible. You can have a new set of rules, which could be a Christian set of rules. But you can miss out on what it's like to live in the dynamic of a righteous relationship with God. I want to put it to you this week. Do the things that you know you ought to do, but cultivate a sense of the presence of Jesus who lives with you. Walk with him. Talk with him. Trust him. So that if the spirit of Jesus tells you, speak to someone, say this to Trust that he is in control of that. And be obedient to his prompting. If the Holy Spirit tells you, don't go there because it's dangerous for you if you go to that place, trust him. Listen to the conscience that he speaks to you with. Take it on board and obey him. Those who live in a relationship with Christ live in a righteousness that is apart from the law. God is calling us to walk with him. He's not calling us to be rule keepers. He's calling us to walk with him. Can I get a mic? for those that feel that they haven't been doing the right thing that God wants us to do. And I stood up and I prayed. And God knows exactly what's in our hearts and what we're doing and what he tells us not to do. Anyway, I stood up and I prayed. And the young man next to me stood up. And I just felt this warmth. And I said, isn't it such a beautiful feeling that I'm an older person and this young person, God's touching him exactly like me? That was such a blessing. And then yesterday, I had to go to the hospital at the PA hospital and be a guinea pig for this the specialist. And there was two specialists and there was four training doctors. And um, for, for those of you that know... The, the doctors already, the same specialist had told me five years ago when I was in palliative care that I must call my mum from South Africa to say goodbye to me and my boys. And I did that. And they told me I was going to Mount Olivet five years ago. And yesterday I was there and these specialists are telling me, Sit down, relax, we don't want you to get excited. But these doctors are going to come in and read your files and say things that you might get 
worried and anxious about? I said, no, I'm not going to get worried and anxious about anything because five years ago they already said I was going to be dead. And look at me today, I'm alive and well. And he said, um, how are you coping? I said, he said, you're such an amazing woman. I said, no, I'm not an amazing woman. It's my God that's so amazing. I said, he's the one that strengthens me. He's the one that keeps me going. And then he asked me something. One of the specialists, the trainees were saying something about, um, they tell you uh, how many percent my lungs and um, respiratory is, 48%. During my examinations, because I had to go up and down, up and down, my heart started racing, so I had to have oxygen because I'm only 48% uh, with the oxygen levels. Anyway, so they put the oxygen on me right through. But, you know, I wasn't even bothered. I wasn't even cared what they were saying because I know how good God has been to me. And then one of them spoke about my... um, um, gastrointestinal tract and and then um, when they went the specialist was asking me about that and I was telling him I'm not eating for three years he said three years how do you cope I said by God's grace he's he just loves me so much he said you are an absolute amazing woman I said no he I said I am a strong African woman. He he said, I can see that. I said, but my God gets me through. I said, I have nothing to complain about. I said, I'm just happy every day for the air that I breathe so that I can teach my daughter the things that I know in my life. And so that was just such a beautiful testimony for me to tell them because at the end of the day, they feel like they know everything. So I just thank God so much that I can keep on hanging on to him. And I fail him so much time. But you know, his grace is sufficient for me. His love is sufficient for me. And sometimes I am so weak, but I just cling to him. And he just carries me through. So I just wanted to share that this morning, but I didn't have a chance. So now I just have to let you know. You know, every single one of us has got his hand on us. And we can do it because of his grace and his love. Amen. And that's trusting in Jesus. Simple trust in Jesus. They told her she was going to die. They told her... There was no hope. Say goodbye to everybody else. I remember that. You know, when you trust in Jesus, it's not about keeping the rules. How inferior is that to living and walking and talking with your Savior and just resting in his care and trusting him? He is the one who determines how long we live. He is the one who determines the life that we have. Trusting in him is not just keeping rules. It's walking with him daily, putting your hand in his hand and saying, Lord Jesus, here I am. I'm yours. That's trusting Jesus. Amen. Let's pray.
Father, we just thank you for this opportunity for sitting in this place and learning again that it's not the good things that we do that make us acceptable before you, Father, but it's your grace that has done that work in us. Father, we thank you, Father, that you cause us to be strong to do the things that please you, that you cause your spirit to dwell in us, to equip us to, to live the life that you want us to live. Your Holy Spirit has fruit that we are able to bear, that we can be gentle and kind and meek to people. Father, your Holy Spirit gives us gifts that we are able to work with. Father, that we can demonstrate your power and your, your love to those around us, Father. Everything comes from you, Father. Everything is yours, Father. And so today, Lord, we say again today, we trust you. We trust you. Lord, it's not about us keeping the rules, the righteous rules, Father. It's about us trusting you, Father. And those that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those that, those that trust in him shall be saved, Father. We want to reaffirm our trust in you today, Father, that our righteousness does not come from the Lord Jesus. It comes from you, and we trust you and love you in Jesus' name. And everyone said, God bless you.